You're listening to Leading Voices in Healthcare Policy, a podcast brought to you by the Department of Healthcare Policy at Harvard Medical School. I'm Lauren Jett. Today we're speaking with Dr. Nicole Mastis, an Associate Professor of Healthcare Policy at Harvard Medical School. Thank you, Dr. Mastis, for speaking with us today. You're welcome. So research shows that a lot of people that are addicted to opioids are getting them legally through prescriptions from their physicians. What's a condition that a doctor might prescribe an opioid for? Well, back pain might be um, kind of a very common uh, common condition for which uh, a doctor would prescribe an opioid. Not all kinds of back pain, but certainly more severe forms of back pain. Um, arthritis would be another one, um, other forms of muscle pain. Um, you often find that musculoskeletal conditions are among the most common reasons for an opioid. Your recent study in Annals of Internal Medicine shows that these prescriptions aren't always written for conditions like this. Some people are getting opioid prescriptions without any documented pain. Do undocumented conditions make up a lot of opioid prescriptions? We were surprised by just how many are undocumented. So, for example, we found that about 5% of opioid prescriptions were for cancer, cancer pain. Um, About 66% were for non-cancer pain. And then there was this 28.5% for which there really was no identifiable pain condition documented on the record. And by pain condition, I mean not only a condition that might be described as pain, but also conditions that are known to cause pain. That is pain severe enough that a doctor might need to prescribe uh, prescription strength um, pain uh, relief. Why are there so many undocumented prescriptions? Does it have to do with the way that this data is actually documented? Well, I think that's the big question here is why are there so many undocumented prescriptions? Um, now, we, we analyzed this in a survey data set called the National Ambulatory uh, Medical Care Survey. And, um, you know, this is a survey. It's not electronic health record data. It's not claims data. But because it's a survey, um, it it often collects additional information that you might not find in a medical claim. Um, So, you know, it certainly is possible that if we looked across different types of data collection vehicles, health records, claims, survey data, we might see some differences here. We did some tests, uh, you know, tests, we did some tests of robustness to make sure that, for example, the way the survey form was recording information wasn't driving the results. That did not appear to be the case at all, which then, you know, leads us to the bigger question, which is, well, what's going on here? Why are these not documented? We, we, we think that, um, you know, many of these likely are um, justifiable prescriptions uh, for for justifiable conditions. Um, so this is not to say that these are all inappropriate, but the the point we're making in this in this paper is that we should be able to determine which in which opioid prescriptions are appropriate and which are inappropriate. And in this instance, without the documentation, you can't even begin to look at that question. So some of these patients may have a valid pain condition, but they're just not getting documented. What would you suggest that 
they do to increase the number of physicians that report this information? Well, I think we need somewhere to require that when an opioid is prescribed, that an appropriate documented indication is entered into the record. Now, sometimes, you know, many times insurers will require that this type of information is included in requests for novel drugs, for example. Usually this is driven by cost considerations rather than public health considerations. But, you know, it certainly could be done um, by, by insurers. Uh, it could be done by, by, by practices. Um, a practice could adopt um, a policy that, that uh, opioid prescriptions will be documented um, and justified. Um, the, 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 thing, the thing I think that we just want to be careful about is we have to recognize that physicians already have extraordinary demands on their time for record-keeping, documenting, compliance activities. So, you know, by bringing attention to the problem, I don't think we've sort of solved it in a sense where we can say, here's how you do it. Um, I think there are some, some considerations um, to think deeply about, you know, how can we make it easier for, for physicians to document the indication when they give an opioid prescription uh, without being, um, you know, overly, overly burdensome. Are opioids the only prescriptions where we see a lack of condition documentation? We only examined opioids. Um, opioids are certainly not, they're not the only uh, type of prescription where there are concerns about inappropriate prescribing. Um, antibiotics is an area where people have used data just like this to detect inappropriate and appropriate prescribing of antibiotics as a way, again, to um, you know, serve the public health by bringing attention to antibiotic prescribing that doesn't comply with guidelines. You could also look at um, you know, other kinds of um, um, benzodiazepines, for example, is another kind of drug that we might worry about lack of documentation. Um, inappropriate prescribing. There are certainly, I think, I think our analysis is a framework that could be used to look for, you know, look across other kinds of conditions and examine um, indication rates and, and, and lack thereof. So you've touched on this a little bit, uh, but why is it so important for physicians to report what they're prescribing and why they're prescribing it? Because, you know, in the, in the U.S., the use of opioid therapy has risen far faster than the incidence of pain. And, and so that really, you know, brings us all to ask, well, well, why? Why are people being given opioids more and more if pain is not any different than it used to be? And this, you know, raises questions about whether we're, in, in a sense, kind of over-prescribing opioids or even, um, you know, erroneously prescribing opioids. Um, and really a first step there then is to be able to identify it when it's actually happening. Um, and that's what we, you know, we uncovered this, this limitation that, you know, when the clinical rationale for the opioid is not documented, you really just can't say whether it was okay or, or it wasn't okay, appropriate or not appropriate. If you could identify which were appropriate and which were inappropriate, you could in essence detect the types of errors that are being made by physicians and, in principle, deliver feedback about those kinds of common errors. 
Um, so I think it's an important part of opioid control policy that hasn't really been emphasized much to date. And on that note, I wanted to, to point out that most of our policy efforts to date have been quantity-focused. And that is, we ask, well, is this particular patient obtaining too many opioid prescriptions? Is this doctor providing too many opioid prescriptions overall? But this is really more a question of, of quality. Was the prescription appropriate or inappropriate? Doctors need to ask, does this person who might be receiving an opioid for the first time have a medical indication that is appropriate to treat with an opioid? Or is there some other therapy that could be tried first? And then for someone who has received, who's been started on opioids, um, would it be appropriate to continue that patient, given this medical indication, on opioid therapy if they came and asked for more? So, so I, I think this this study opens up um, opens up really. Um, I think the study. I think this study sheds light on um, kind of another type of um, opioid control policy that could be considered. That isn't just about looking for behavior in the extremes, but asking about um, you know kind of the average person who goes into a doctor's office experiencing pain. Do they or do they not get an opioid prescription? And if they do, should they have? Do you think that more thorough documentation could help curb the opioid epidemic? It's a really good question. Um, the, the, the opioid epidemic, of course, is a multifaceted epidemic. We have excessive prescribing by legitimate doctors to legitimate patients, all the way to people obtaining street drugs, heroin, and winding up um, overdosing and, and even dying. The the it, it, you know so often when we talk about the epidemic, we're talking about overdose deaths. Do I think you know requiring physicians to document what they're prescribing and why would stop overdose deaths? Well, probably not, just because you know, many things happen between that first prescription or those legitimate medical prescriptions um, on that path to an overdose death. But everybody starts somewhere. And even though um, illicit use of fentanyl is an important driver that you hear about, um, it, it's, it's, it is the case that many people who use and abuse these drugs obtained illegally began with prescription medication. And, and so in some ways, you know, dialing the process back to its beginnings starts with doctors and to whom and for what they give pain medication for, that is opioid pain medication. So I, I think in the, the longer run arc of the epidemic policies or, or you know, public policies or um, you know, um, greater efforts by physicians to, to justify their prescribing could help stem kind of the, the tide of future um, use and misuse. Thank you so much, Dr. Mastis, for joining us today and discussing opioid prescriptions. You can read more about Dr. Mastis' research on the Department of Healthcare Policy's website at hcp.med.harvard.edu. 
That's all for this episode of Leading Voices in Healthcare Policy. From the Department of Healthcare Policy at Harvard Medical School, I'm Lauren Judd. For more of the top news and updates on healthcare policy, be sure to follow us on Twitter at HMSHCP.